Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour. Today, I have an actor, a thespian extraordinaire, a model, a man about town. We have Mr. Eric Fellows. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. How's it going? Oh, it is It is fabulous in the Midwest right now. I cannot tell you how excited I am to be <laughs> In good old Bloomington, Indiana. How oh, about okay. you? That was my next question. Where, where are you at? About yeah, we are in the we are in the in the IU home city for for okay. for all those people that love to follow Big Ten sports and uh, it's 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 a crazy town half the year and extraordinarily quiet the other half. Right. How about you? Where are you at? You out on the West Coast? I'm in I'm in Los Angeles. I'm about thirty minutes outside of Hollywood. Oh. I mean, I'm in West Hills. It's not too far from Sherman Oaks. We just call it the Valley. We're just in the Valley. It's a so, it's, it's very nice nice area, you know. Right? No, you know what, man? I no, I actually love it out here. I initially when I moved to LA, like most people, I lived in Hollywood initially. I got my Hollywood fix a few different times. Actually, <laughs> I was living in Hollywood in West Hollywood, and then I ended up early on going to. Uh, my buddy's place who lived kind of like far east and I lived in a walk-in closet talking about starting somewhere, man. I, I started in a walk-in closet in Hollywood. So, uh, yeah, I built up from there. So definitely I'm in, I have my own room now. So that's good. Nice. Nice. No, I'm, I'm just teasing. I, I live out here with my family. My, I was going to say walk-in closet is that that's the description of a studio apartment was my understanding. <laughs> well, you, well, it's very funny. Yeah, it wasn't. It's just I, I ended up having to move out of the place I was living in. And I was, I, you know, one of my buddies said, do you have a spot? He goes, yeah, you can live in my second room. And the second room happened to be a walk-in closet. Not even, a, I'm not even kidding. He had to walk through my room to go to the bathroom. It was awesome, man. But, you know, that's what you do when you're 21 years old. So, right. you know, you do what you got to do. That's your, that's, that's your way of getting started. It's very glamorous, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know. Living large. Speaking of glamorous, I mean, your beginnings were kind of in in the realm of glamour. You kind of started uh, out out of high school, went into straight into modeling, correct? Yes. Yeah. I um. Well, a little short, short end of it. Basically, I, I played basketball um, my entire childhood and played high school ball, and that was actually my life goal. Um, unfortunately, it didn't turn out to be six foot eight. Um, only 5'10". Uh, but, you know, I was actually a really good basketball player, and that was literally what I lived and breathed my entire childhood to my te uh, late teens. And I ended up getting injured my senior year. Um, going into my senior year, I was getting looked at to play uh, professionally in Italy. Oh. Actually, because I'm, um, I'm half Italian and Swedish, and my I still had family in Italy, so we were going to be able to work out a way of me going over there and being able to um, – you know, basically lived there under the fact that I had family there and I'm, I'm part Italian. I got hurt. I kind of diverted my plans. I kind of started being a 17 year old kid wanting to venture <laughs> off and do other things. I was kind of scared to live by myself in Italy. And it's the one thing I, I think I say in a lot of interviews, but the truth is I, I do look back and regret it a little bit. I had the opportunity to go, even though I got hurt, I still was able to rehabilitate my ankle and all this stuff and still go play. And I, and I didn't, didn't take the chance, but it's okay because I ended up in a 20 year career <laughs> and this business is not something I ever thought of. Um, I kind of fell into it. I was introduced to an agency in DC through uh, an ex-girlfriend's friend who she babysat the kid and she came to pick him up one day and uh we never really spoke too much. It was like high and by. And she said to me one day, she goes, Hey, did you ever think about modeling? And I said, modeling what? And she goes like male modeling, like doing print and catalog and commercials. She goes, my kid, I have, he has an agent in DC. And I didn't even realize he was like this little Tommy Hilfiger model who did all these jobs. He would go to New York. And so she said, hey, look, you can make some extra cash. You never know where you, you know, where you'll end up. She goes, I think you have a great look. I think you would do really well. And I said, Okay. I never, you know, I never thought of it. I uh, always loved movies and TV and the idea of it. I mean, I understood it. I just really, we were just a very much a, a sports family. I'm an only child, but I grew up like literally basketball. My dad loved football and stuff like that. So it was never like, I'm going to go take pictures for a living mm. or be on a screen, you know? Um, so kind of just, I took her up on the offer. I went and met the agency in uh, Georgetown, DC, they ended up signing me. 
started doing local print work and ads and stuff. And then I met a uh, now a longtime friend at a fashion show. Uh, she had been modeling uh, for years before that. She started when she was like early teens and we hit it off. And she said, look, if you want to continue this business, we've got to take it to New York. She had never lived in New York before. She didn't have a New York agent, but she, you know, travel all over the world, Germany and stuff and model there. So she had experience. So I was just learning all this stuff. Um, and, and kind of go backwards a little bit to touch base on the whole acting thing before I had, you know, I was, one of the prerequisites was to take a drama class in high school uh -huh. when I was playing basketball. And it's like, in our school, it was like your sports, your drama. It was not, you know, you didn't unite those two. So right. I kind of was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not reading these lines. This is ridiculous. And lo and behold, that's what I do for my career. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I went to New York. Uh, we, we pounded the pavement, ended up signing with a smaller agency initially. Uh, this was when I was 20 years old. And um, ended up moving to New York with, uh, at that time, girlfriend and my friend, Allie, who had given me all the advice. So we all kind of went together. And um, I pounded the payment more to, to get with a bigger modeling agency. And I kept hearing a lot of like, oh, you're too short to be a model. Because I'm only 5'10". A lot of models are 6'2". You know, to be a male model, there's like a specific height, evidently. Sure. Um, somehow I beat the odds. Uh, I ended up months into it signing with a very big um modeling agency in new york and that was three months before september 11th happened so during that process i met a lot of people along the way and they said you know you seem to have more than just a model's personality you, you actually have a voice and a personality and you have a great look for tv and film so um i started studying started taking i was like okay well i didn't know what else i wanted to do with my life at that point it was more or less just trying this out. If I have some success at it, you never know. Yeah. Especially coming from Maryland. I mean, I didn't come from a small, small town because I'm right outside of DC, but at the end of the day, it's not Hollywood. It's not New York city. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like a major hub for entertainment. So basically I, um, started, they said the, the agency modeling agency that I had signed with ended up sending me to a, um, a very big theatrical agency uh, called Innovative Artists. They ended up signing me for um, what was called back then, when I remember, is the beauty department, which was models for commercials. So they started sending me out for commercials, for models in commercials. And um, and then the theatrical rep wanted to send me in for soap operas and send me in for some movies and TV and see what kind of feedback they would get. That's kind of how it started, man. So Again, that is like the glamorous end of it. Obviously, it uh, wasn't so simple no. to even establish, you know, any of the agencies initially. But I didn't give up that first year in New York. I wanted to, I was about to move home. And I just, basically, I, I met a, um, a fashion stylist who was a very big fashion stylist. And I mean, he's still well known. He used to be a judge on America's Top Model. And he, uh, I went to a casting. He was uh, casting for an editorial for his magazine. And he asked me, he goes, why are you with this agency? You have such a great look. Why are you not like with a better agency? And I said, well, I went to all the big agencies. They all turned me down saying either I was too short or I looked too commercial. And he goes, let's see. He brings out a pair of clippers, no joke. And he shaves my head like to like a number two. Huh. Like a crew cut, like basically like, and then like, but he did a horrible job, by the way. There was like holes. I'm not even joking. There was like holes in my head. I had to like go and fix it. <laughs> And I used to have a shaved head as a kid and or sometimes throughout my teenage years. So I wasn't like uh, scared from the shave of my head because I've had that look before, but I didn't think to go that edgy. But now when I look back during that time in the early 2000s, that look, the edgy model sort of guy, the rugged edginess really worked. So I went back, to, he sent me back to all the same agencies because he knows them all. No, they all pretended like they never met me. <laughs> All of them put a deal on the table. <laughs> Never once mentioned my height. Um, and I ended up signing with an agency called Karen Models. I mean, back then they were, I think, number two to IMG. And um, that's how it started. And then, you know, when you're with obviously higher, higher, you know, bigger reps on a larger scale, they obviously have a lot more clout. They sure. can make phone calls, just like anything in this business. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And the July before September 11th, I visited LA because I knew I was eventually going to want to come out um, 
I was getting more and more interested in the TV and film. I knew this was the, where to be. And I also wanted, never been to Hollywood, never been to LA. So I came out here, loved it. Uh, got in, um, got a modeling agency here, commercial agency here, and ended up getting my agency, Innovative Arts, was by Coastal. So they repped, repped me. If, when I was ready to come, they were like, we'll rep you when you come. So uh, I didn't expect to go so soon. Uh, September 11th happened. I actually flew in that morning from Atlanta from doing a catalog job, and I ended up being getting stuck in Long Island because I stayed the night in Long Island. We tried to come in the morning, and we had no idea what was going on. My mom was calling me saying, hey, somebody uh, attacked the World Trade Center. We did, I was, you know, I was half awake when she was calling me. So we were unaware. And basically, I was stuck there four days, came back into the city. Uh, there was alarms going off every five seconds. I'll never forget that. And where I lived was uh, Jersey City, put off Grove Street. And if you've ever been in New York, but the World Trade Center, there's a path train. It goes underneath the Hudson. Well, my building literally is straight across from the World Trade Center. So when I finally made it back to my place, there's, all you see is just like basically debris wow. and smoke. For the next two weeks, I ended up moving back home, and then I moved to LA. That's that's crazy. Now, that's, yep. I know there's there's still kind of this, I don't know if mystique is the right word for it, but mm-hmm. there's, there's a certain amount of knowledge that the general public has in terms of what it means to be an actor and what it means to get a role, but that doesn't necessarily translate to that right. same kind of thing on, on the side of being a model. Is it a very similar process? Is it one of those things where you're sitting in a room and you notice, you know, I look very similar to these other 15 people that are sitting here. Or is it more they're sending you to the place because they already know what they need and they've kind of decided? Well, uh, you know... It's a tricky question because I can think of numerous times that I've been sent places where I've seen 10 of me. And I could think of numerous times that I walked in going, am I even right for this? Like no one looked like me. Like I felt like I was the odd one out. Maybe not even the same race. I, I you know, not maybe not even the same gender. Sometimes they're like, are they looking for like a lead guy or a lead female actress? Like playing the same role is really interesting. This business is very complicated to judge because you never know. And that's honestly the one thing I will say, even to this day, after all these years in this business, I will say this, I know a lot more than I did then. And uh, I have intertwined myself with, you know, I feel like the right groups of people over the years and the friends that I've acquired that I trust and they trust me. Um, you know, we work together a lot on numerous projects, producing, if it's, you know, producing and acting in it. A lot of times, I'm not a writer, but, you know, we come up with a lot of concepts together and we bring someone on board that is, you know, someone who we trust as a screenplay writer, someone to put something together. And that's what I've been doing the last few years as far as besides starring in films or TV stuff, I've been producing projects, trying to put together projects, bringing on funding. So as th- time went on, you know, you learn that as an actor, that's kind of the avenue most actors go. Um, so I'm going to directing. That's a whole nother beast. Um, but, you know, it, I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason for any of you. I mean, look, I, all I can say is that I know what they always say. If you knew then what you know now, man, the things I would do different. Um, I don't know if I could change it because, you know, I feel like it took me a little bit longer to start getting the momentum that I have now. I've worked over the years, um, you know, at times more consistently than others. It was very, you know, would be sporadic or times would go, you know, dead. Um, and you hear this even about big stars. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, I'm, I'm actually very grateful that it's actually happening more now than it did in my 20s because um, I don't know where I would be right now. I was, I didn't have as uh, strong as a mind that I do have now. You know what I mean? Like I'm not as... I'm more level-headed now. You know, Hollywood was also different then. The party life was different. I wasn't um, focused the way I should have been focused at times. And a lot of times things were handed to me in the beginning. So once I, you know, once I got a taste of that, I started thinking, oh, well, this is not that difficult. You know, I was making some good money or I was booking some big stuff. You think that's always going to be. And I think I needed to be humbled numerous times throughout my career to make me almost want to quit, to make me want to cry or, you know, I needed to get to a point where I could give advice to somebody else and know what I was talking about and, and, and thoroughly know how to like deliver that to them and feel good about it. Instead of just saying, 
Oh yeah, give it a tr- yeah. You should. Do you want to do it? Okay, try it. No, it's not something you just try to do. Right. You know what I mean? Like I think I was in it for the wrong reasons initially. You know, you get this idea about being famous and and making money, and I think the problem is with me because it was never my passion initially. So I went from only having this passion in basketball. I wasn't a big on school. Um, I was a smart kid, but I just didn't. I didn't have that interest. You know what I mean? I, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to go to college. I, just things I just was, you know, grew up in a neighborhood with, you know, other kids that are just all over the place. Not the best neighborhood either. So I only knew sports and I knew how to be kind of this kind of obnoxious, but like try to be charming guy. I don't know. That's just <laughs> who I was. So I had to translate it all from that understanding as a, uh, an athlete to my passion is that all I did was want to do this. I would play in the snow and the ice. I would shoot a thousand three pointers a day. I was a really good basketball player. And I had to translate that understanding into like acting in, in the, the entertainment world. I did do the 150% that I gave that. I had to understand that as an actor now. So I knew that I had um, a, a thing, a knack, a knack for it. I just didn't know how to use it yet where second basketball became second nature. Like I just understood it because I spent so much time doing it. Sure. So once I translated that, which took years into the business, man, even after booking stuff and working on shows, I was always like, do I love this? Is this, you know, so I had to reinvent my understanding many times. Yeah. And I think it's the last five or six, maybe even seven, eight years that I, the passion for it's really there. Um, I know who I am. I trust myself as an actor. People trust me as an actor. Um, and that's, I think that's, once you get to that point, it's, you can kind of like breathe and go, okay, you're still got an uphill battle. You still got to fight for roles sometimes. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I do get a lot of, you know, offers for stuff, but that's not, that's not the point. The point is they're not just going to hand you stuff. You got to prove it. And the reason why you get those phone calls for offers is because you did prove it to them. They do trust you. You've right. already delivered for them. So they're like, okay. It's like anything in life, man. If, if you repeat um, giving, you know, 150% of something, you, you contribute something, you, you teach them something. When you teach them something, when they look up to you is when you know that you've got, that's what I feel like then you've made it. And making it is all over the spectrum of, you know, if you made it. Does that mean you have to be a billionaire? No. When people look up to you and say, let's ask for his opinion. Let's ask for what he would do. That feels good to me now because that happens to me quite often, but I feel like I did bust my ass to get there. Yeah. Um, but I think I deserve it more now than I ever did, but I didn't deserve it back then. So I'm glad it's happening a little later. Um, I wasn't happy about it back then. But when I look at it now going, I'm happy. I look at it and I see it and I understand. I'm like, and the oddest thing that ever happened to me when I did my first modeling photo shoot in Maryland, when I first started doing print work, the photographer said to me, I completely forgot about this. He said, don't get, don't get um, discouraged in this business. He goes, I feel your vibe in you. He goes, you're going to take off later in your career. And I will never forget. It's my first shoot I ever did. And I was 18 years old or whatever. He goes, you're going to, you're going to, and he says, you're going to have some success and you're going to do okay. He goes, but you're not going like, to get to the point that you deserve to be at, or you're not going to hit your pinnacle point until you're a little bit older. It's going to start taking off when you're older. He goes, so be patient. Don't give up. And it's so crazy that I look, and that was 22 years ago. I'm 40 now. So at 18 years old, I was told, I didn't know it was going to take that long, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like I have now what I strive for and I'm okay and I can breathe now. And I'm not so stressed about trying to please anyone. I just do me. I, I deliver what I can, the best I can. I'm very confident in what I do. And if, if there's something I can't do, then I say I can't do it. But I'm willing to take on most challenges. Well, so, it seems like that uh, that as you have consistently invested this effort, that creates kind of a, a link to the work that allows a certain appreciation for what you've created that you can't have if you are not necessarily trying that hard and that just gives a fulfillment that wouldn't otherwise be there i agree with you no 100 
Now, I do, I do want to know, there, there is one question that, that my co-host asked me. He wanted to know at what point in your modeling training do you learn the blue steel look and, uh, oh. <laughs> and the CW smolder? You know, those two things are supposedly well, really tell you something. A little bit about the blue steel look. I feel like, I don't feel like I'm the one who invented the blue steel look. <laughs> of course not, because people were modeling way before me. But the actual blue steel look, because I've been giving that blue steel look I wish I could find some pictures for you. I mean, that movie came out in, I'm guessing, 2001, maybe, or yeah, two. It's been a while. Right. I was already living in New York in 2000. I started doing that look, the Ben Stiller blue steel look, in probably 98, 99. <laughs> now, people probably are already doing that. The thing is, I kind of, in a weird way, I, I was actually Zoolander a few times for Halloween. People have said to me, when I get done, they're like, oh my God, you do look a little bit like Zoolander. <laughs> and so I feel like I kind of was on in the beginning stages of the Zoolander, the blue steel. Now Magnum, they brought in, you know, that was later. Yeah. You know, well, that was, was Magnum in the actual first film, but he used Magnum at the end of the film. That right? seems to be what I remember. Yeah. So Magnum, you know, I feel like I, I, I adapted Magnum before him too. <laughs> so listen, I mean, me and Stiller can have a conversation about this, you know, I think it's 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 tough to tell. I think we're around the same time. Uh, so okay, so you start transitioning from modeling to commercials and uh, music right. videos, and oh, yeah. Yeah. so uh, the question, one of the questions I have, when you look at the at the citations, like you you take a look at your IMDb profile, and a lot of these right. parts are love interest, hot guy. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is that what comes across your desk when you get an offer? It's like, we've got a part for you. It is love interest. Or is that just something that kind of develops after? Well, initially, because, you know, I mean, I obviously grew up watching music videos um, on MTV, VH1, whatever. And you see like, you know, the guy, you know, the, the model guy or the good looking guy with the, the, you know, the lead singer in a music video or vice versa. You're always like, man, that would be cool. That'd be really cool. So the funny thing is I didn't even think about being in a music video. I mean, I thought like, oh, it'd be cool to be in one, but I never thought like I'd be like become like a music video guy. That was very random. I remember because this is actually back when music videos actually paid decent. Mm. Um, well, a lot of the businesses changed on, on, a, on a pay rate, but that's the whole world's changed. Um, I remember, so the first video I ever booked, uh, was Dido. Yeah. 2003 or four. And I remember getting sent in for it though. I'm like, Oh, what is it? What am I playing? They're like, Oh, you're playing the boyfriend. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I went in and I auditioned for the director. I ended up getting, I ended up booking it. And I was like, all right, cool. So I met Dido. Another thing is obviously I knew who Dido was and she was, you know, that was actually when she was at her, her peak. Oh yeah. Um, so I just had this like thing. They're like, oh, wow, you're like the perfect boyfriend in the video. And I had that sort of video guy look. So then uh, my next video I booked was Britney Spears, believe it or not, but it ended up being a conflict. It was her My Prerogative video. It was when she was with Kevin Federline and I had a short shaved head just like Kevin. And people used to say, oh, you guys are very similar looking. So I remember they put a stop to me being cast in the video if I correctly remember so many years ago and they were like, because Kevin had a conflict with it. Uh, so I was like, I just finally booked like, I mean, that's Britney Spears. It was, and at that time it was such a big deal. So I was bummed out. But the following week I ended up booking uh, Lindsay Lohan's first video. She ever did rumors, right? which ended up being a very, very big video um, and going number one on TRL and all this stuff. And at that time, you know, Lindsay was on the up, up, up. Yeah. She was at the tip top. Um, as some yeah. people might say. And we've remained friends over the years. I mean, I knew her. I mean, I still know her, but I haven't seen her, seen her spoke to her in, in a few years. But no, she, it was really cool time. She was 18. I think I was only 24. So it was many years ago. And it was like social media hadn't even started yet, but like the tabloids were out. And I remember uh, a lot of buzz. But there was a buzz and like things being said about me and her and it's, it's so funny and i remember just like paparazzi following us it was such a random time before the transition <laughs> to social media and uh and then i just all of a sudden just started booking music videos then i ended up doing 
God, uh, Papa Roach video, random Papa Roach video, it's called Scars, <laughs> and then OAR, and then I ended up booking um, uh, Catherine Mc- or Jennifer Lopez, and then uh, I booked Jennifer Lopez on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then booking Catherine McPhee Thursday and Friday. So I shot J Lo and Catherine McPhee in the same exact week, and I remember the only time I'd ever been starstruck, and I've worked with quite a, quite a few big people. Was Jayla? I was really starstruck when I first worked with her. Yeah, that would be big. It was interesting, and she, you know, that was definitely an interesting time. I ended up getting invited to their um, when she was married to Mark Anthony. They invited me to their premiere. They did a movie together called El Cantante. I remember. So I uh, I got to do the red carpet with them, and I remember Eva Longoria was there. They, they picked me up. I ended up going, so I basically sitting with them in the front row with. JLo, Mark Anthony, myself, Eva Longoria. It was crazy. And, uh, but anyway, getting back to when I booked the video with JLo, I booked the video obviously with Catherine McPhee. Catherine McPhee overheard that I just did JLo the day before, and she was so starstruck that I just worked with She was like, wait a minute, you just kissed JLo and you're about to kiss me? And it was like one of those moments I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> so I don't know, man. I just started booking music videos. Well, here that actually kind of ties into something that I was curious about. There's, I was wondering, since you've been on so many different types of sets between commercials and music videos and modeling and television and movies, is there a tonal difference when you arrive to start shooting any one of these that's a little different between them that people might, might not realize? Um, well... Okay. For, okay. So I'll go as far as one end of the spectrum to the other. So like, let's just say modeling for, for a print ad or a campaign. Um, again, because for modeling, you're not really doing any sort of conversing. I mean, you can be playful on camera, whatever, get to, you know, achieve the goal of whatever picture you're trying to get. Um, I kind of act the same on all sets, to be honest with you. Um, I'm pretty talkative as you can see. Uh, I'm pretty, I try to keep things on the positive and the uppity up. So we enjoy our time on set. I like to laugh and play around. Uh, I even do that in between takes or leading up to a take. Even if I have to play, you know, an insane, crazy lunatic or like whatever, I have to cry. I literally am laughing probably before I do it because I don't take anything too serious anymore. I live in the moments with it. I understand what I'm doing before I do it. But I can't, I can't go like live in a trash can for like two months and go method. You know what I mean? That's just not who I am. I respect the people that do that. I mean, maybe not living in a trash can. That's not probably conducive for your life. But yeah, some people do it. Um, so I would say the only difference between like a print thing is like you're really – you have to rehearse on a theatrical set, on a film set, a primetime set, especially soap operas. Days of Our Lives, I would say, would be – a bit different than if you would go to like a regular film set or a primetime set, you know, like if you were to go, you know, when I did CSI New York or NCIS Los Angeles and stuff like that, it's a different feel. You go into your trailer, you're very, very, very well taken care of. Um, and you are in days of our lives as well, but it's a different setup. It's almost like a more of a this big homie family. And you, you, it's like a, a standard where you go and check in and then you go to your room you have your, you know, your standardized room that you're supposed to stay in. Um, most of the time it has your name on it, so that's cool. And then uh, you're just hanging out and you're working on your lines before you go up. Then you go dry block at 6.30 a.m. And then you come back to start shooting at like 8 a.m. So in between that, you go and get makeup, probably get some coffee, a little bit of breakfast. You talk with your friends on set and then you shoot. The biggest difference between like a soap opera, like a daytime soap opera, is that you literally only get one take. Yeah, that, that can... is the tremendous difference between anything that I've ever done uh, in comparison. Like for, you know, prime time. And I mean, if you're the lead of the show of a prime time show, you're going to you can get as many takes as you want. Uh, every time I've ever worked on guest stars or recurring on things, <laughs> they only probably give me two or three. And I just I have to be on my game. Yeah. Uh, so that's the difference. But when you're a star of a show or one of the stars of the show. Um, you start getting more leverage and being able to do whatever, you know. So I would say daytime soap is definitely something that 
is is an eye opener for an actor because it's like a boot camp. Um, you're doing lots of pages of dialogue a day, uh, sometimes two episodes. We did three episodes before, and in a primetime show, you get ten days to shoot an episode. Yeah. You know, film you're shooting three to six pages a day. You know, soap opera you're shooting you can shoot up to 180. That's a lot. And that's in, that's in, it's like shooting a play every day. Sounds like fun though. A little pressure, a little pressure, but uh... it's it, it's scary. I'm not gonna lie to you. Once you get, you're cool with everyone, and then you know, I I think in the two and a half years I was there, I think I messed up two or three times, and I was scared shitless. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, am I gonna get fired? Because <laughs> they don't put up with it. It's like <laughs> you have to be prepared. So it's a boot camp. I'm grateful for days of our lives. It opened a lot of doors for me, um, but also got me prepared and my confidence. After doing that, you can do anything. You just can't get you can't get um, uh, sort of like trapped in that understanding because there is a um, a particular way they shoot a daytime soap. Um, people like to think it's soapy or these that actor soapy. Um, that's playing into the understanding of it. But some of those actors and most of them actually have become huge stars uh, and some of the best actors of all time. So I give them the utmost respect, honestly. It, it gave me the confidence I needed to move forward and star in movies. So yeah. that's that, what I can take from that. That that seems like there's 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 a lot of an upside. A lot of uh, a lot of large uh, stars, whether television or movies, came oh. from that daytime beginning. And it's, so many. It's, so many. It gives you Michael, a, B, Michael B. Jordan is from right. A soap. Right. Um, Brad Pitt was even on a soap. Meg Ryan was on a soap. Susan Sarandon was on a soap. I mean, there's, you, it's endless, actually. Um, you just can't get pigeonholed in the understanding and used to that um, way of work. Yeah. Because when you branch off from that, for me, I like to be bigger with things. I like to live, live authentically in the moments. Where soaps are is very blocked. It's very um, strategically placed, like a play. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can only go so far with it within the realm of how they shoot it with the editing, the pace. If you try to outdo a, a soap, outdo the writing and try to perform instead of just doing, you could see the difference and you can see you don't, you don't fit in with what they're doing. So there's a method to it for sure. Sure. What's your favorite part really of the production process? If, if the thing that you look forward to most in creating these fictions well, I'll tell you what, now that I've been in uh, producing the last handful of projects, it's not editing. <laughs> Let me tell you, I, I used to think, man, it'd be, it'd be awesome to like star in a movie and like be a producer on it and then be in the editing room and seeing all your takes. And... <laughs> Am I allowed to cuss on here? You do what you need to do. We keep it flexible. F, F that. <laughs> <laughs> Fudge that, man. Yeah. Uh, some of my uh, really close friends are directors and producers. Um, they allowed me to sit in the rooms for, uh, you know, my movie, Texas heart, um, came out a few years back. Uh, really, really proud of that movie. Actually. Um, I sat through that thing. The craziest part is, is that the whole first opening court scene, where I played an attorney, uh, we had to ADR the whole thing. Oh, I had man. to match my lips. I had to match my lips to a, a ten-minute scene, man. I had a really, I literally think they were able to keep one or two lines, and I think I said about a hundred. So I don't even know. I don't even know when I watch it now. I know when I see it. <laughs> I did the best I possibly could. It's almost impossible. You're talking about something you had shot five months before, you know, or four months before, trying to match the intensity, the moments. Right. In a room, sitting there watching it, it's really complicated to do a full-on 10-minute scene of every line you say. But the the, the sound got messed up, man. That Scratching be... the suit. Oh. It was just a mess. They could not get it out. That... There was a ringing in it. They just couldn't get it out. I was like, guys, you got to fix something. They're like, Eric, we're just going to have to do it. That's torture. It was so yeah. But it turned out, it turned out, you know, people watching it won't be able to tell. Um, I can tell drives me insane uh but that's torture never want to never want to do that again yeah um the the process i think i like the most about it honestly is just is is performing and when you know you're in like you're in it 
you're right. in the moment. Um, I just came off a really cool dark comedy called Divorce Bait. <laughs> it's really, it's really insane. Actually, they gave me um, a really funny role, and uh, I play this sort of like hip modern photographer who thinks his shit doesn't stink, and his uh, ex girlfriend from like years before that. I was kind of like we were like the two that got away, but she's been remarried now and kind of has trust issues and she's kind of searching for that missing thing anyway so she she comes and does a shoot at my studio she's a hand model which is really hysterical but she's actually really beautiful which is the uh ironic part it's just, she's this beautiful girl but she's a hand model and she replaces like this top hand model for the day because the person couldn't make it so she goes back into my life and we had this very physical relationship when we were together and it's said throughout the film leading up to this point and the stuff that they had me do in this movie, because the original script, it was like, you know, it was in your face. It was funny. It was comedy, but it was, it was calmer. Right. I mean, dude, I get, I can't even, I'm not even going to say what happens to me. I just get really messed up in it. Like I, let's just say this. I lose a few teeth. <laughs> I, I, there's lots of blood. It's a comedy, by the way. I, I try to show off on a bicycle and I go face first into some stuff break my leg. There's some stuff that's crazy, but all trying to show up in a very comedic way. I mean, trying to um, show off to her to get winner back. And it's just this funny, funny thing. And I had to learn how to do the bachata, which is a Latin dance. I'm not a dancer or singer. And the writer, producer, Christina, she's awesome, by the way, Patrick, um, Patrick and Christina, husband and wife, they're, uh, Patrick's the director. Christina is the writer. This is my fourth project with them. And they always give me great material. But she said, Eric, I got this like really twisted sort of like in your face and we want to unpretty you we really want to like start you pretty or whatever you you know whatever I hate to, i don't like to call myself pretty but that's what she said she goes but we're gonna mess you up are you good with this i'm like all right <laughs> and when people see this they're gonna die man because it's like i am messed i'm look mangled but we had a, a blast and i think those moments are incredible because we i mean they just clicked everybody was cheering uh, the lead girl, um, Vanessa Vasquez, she's from East Los High. Um, she plays opposite to me. Uh, my ex-girlfriend, trying to get her back. She's really great. Everybody in the film is great. So, but those moments, I think when you connect and you make magic on, on camera, now I know why I'm doing this. After all these years, I'm like, this is why. So, yeah. I'm sure you always hope that that kind of... Um that moment, that chemistry comes through on screen, but it you always at least have that to take with you forever. That's just kind of something that's special, which is which is fantastic. Well, I think, yeah, if you can achieve that, those feelings in life and it's something that you do for your job or a passion, I mean, I don't really look at it as a job. I mean, I just look at it as something that I ended up falling into in life and ended up enjoying it if I was able to have a career in it. You know, I don't think everybody has one certain path sometimes, man. I mean, I think things change. Um, but I will tell you this. Anyone that I work with at this point in time in my career, and the, like, I, I play such severe, you know, one end of the spectrum of a character to the next, I won't let it not be magical. And I'm not saying from my performance perspective, I will make sure that we, collect, we figure it out. I'm not that type of person. But I also feel very confident to speak to the directors and producers at this point. I know a lot of them. So I'll say, no, let's do it again. And they'll be like, no, Eric, you got it. I'm like, I don't know. And a lot of times they're right. But I'll be like, no. And I'm like, Did you, how do you feel? I'll say it to like the actor, actress. She'll be like, I, I don't know. How do you feel? I'm like, nah, I don't know. Let me see it. And I'm like, I literally get lost in it. And I'm like, all right, we'll do it again. I'm like, all right, you were right. Shit, let's move on. But like, I want to make sure I'm not that person will cut it short. Like, I want right. to make sure it's great. So I want to make people happy when they see it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing this just to do it. Right. It's, it's, you know what I mean? It's now your passion and you want that passion to show through to everybody. Yeah. You want people to enjoy it and laugh and cry and do all this stuff. So it's like, you know, I'm not going to waste their time. So that's how I feel about it at this point. Makes, uh, I, I like that, that, that kind of, that kind of thing is, is kind of why I think people go to uh, theaters when you can go to the theaters and watch when you television. Go to theater. God, I wish they would come back. Yeah, me too. But so speaking about theaters or less theaters, more movie, you've got the new movie break even out. Tell yes. me, tell me a little bit about this and how you got involved with my favorite 1980s actor, Steve Gutenberg. 
Oh, yes. Well, first of all, there's the poster. Woo! <laughs> so break even. I know I had to plug that real quick. Uh, break even is uh, from the director Shane Stanley, and the writer is C.J. Wally. Um, Shane has been in the business ever since he was young. Um, won an Emmy when he was like 16. You know, this was first time working actually with both of them. Actually, working with the whole cast. I'd actually never worked with anyone on this cast before. Um. I'm really grateful for Shane and CJ for giving me the, um, the role of Dash and gave me a really cool opportunity to play this character. Um, basically, it's a, it's, it's a fun film, man. It's a fun, fast-paced film. It's sexy. It's well shot. It's visual. It's, it's, just, it's on the move. It's kind of in the vein of like um, an Into the Blue, uh, you know, a smaller version of like a Fast and Furious, Gone in 60 Seconds sort of heist movie. Little Fool's Gold. If you were to mix a lot of that in there, it's kind of like in 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 the world of what the film is. Um, I'm played alongside. So the four leads are Tassia Teles, who plays Jack. She plays my really close friend in the movie. It's us four leads. So she play, she's from the 100 on the CW. She plays Echo. She's she did an amazing job in the movie. Um, Elisa Reyes. She plays Rosie, which is my girlfriend in the movie. She's kind of like this spiritual hippie sort of girl. Nice. who was always trying to look at from the spiritual end and what, what does life have to offer kind of like hippie-ish type of girl. And then Brent Bailey uh, plays Sebastian. He's kind of like the, the newcomer to the, to the group of three. Um, but his interest is, is sort of, I don't want to give things away, but his interest is towards Jack trying to win her over. So we're basically, uh, but Jack is very kind of like in her own world, much, she has much of a wall up, doesn't allow people in, this movie is driven by the, the female badass is really what it is. You know what I mean? So that's what we, really, we were really emphasizing in this film. And, and I think they, uh, her and Elisa and Joanna Pakula, who plays the, uh, the villain, um, she does a wonderful job. I think the women uh, carry this film really well. And um, basically it's about four friends. We're on a sailing excursion for the day. Me and Brent's character end up taking a dive down, but we're told that there's this like, could be, a, it's like a treasure area, but like all they really know about that area is that there's drugs. There's drugs being kind of like hidden in, in the water area below. It could be, there's also this, um, what they call a, a Sente Morte, which is the, the black lady, which is kind of like this evil sort of like um, Spanish, like sort of like myth sort of thing. So, Without giving too much away, I'm trying to divert from things because I don't like it. So I'm trying to explain it. So we end up going for a dive. We end up finding what we think is drugs. Once we go for a for a dive, and uh, lo and behold, it's actually fifty million dollars of cash. So what do we do? My character is kind of this down on his luck, sort of like in your face guy, but like never really had any luck, never won anything. Barely you know, scrapes by me and my girl. I keep promising we're gonna have a better life. So this, to me, to Dash's character, is like the biggest deal that we just found fifty million dollars. Like I'm right. like crazy over this money, and you know, Jack basically she uh, after we find it, we're so excited. She says, "Throw it back in the water," and I'm like, <laughs> "What?" what? So basically, I say, well, "What are you talking about?" We get in this argument. I'm like, "No," and I told her exactly what I'm gonna do with the money, and she's like, "That's dirty money." Look at the bills. Those are dirty money. How are we going to, we can't take dirty money. You can't stash $20 million between you and Rosie underneath your bed. You think you're going to be able to spend this money? We need to clean this money. <laughs> so, but there's twists, there's twists and turns here. Of like why Jack knows this and blah, 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 blah. So we end up spending the film heisting yachts and boats and speed boats and fast cars and trucks and <laughs> downgrading. So we are being chased by the corrupt DEA and the drug lord whose money they're both after to take us to us spending for our lives, but also getting this money clean to see if we can walk away, separate and walk away with some money in our hands and our dignity. So, so it's a fun, fast paced film. If you want sexy, fast paced, you know, action, hot chicks, good looking dudes, beautifully shot on the water. Go check it out. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Lots of, lots of guns and fast cars and speedboats and yachts. So if you like that too, 
check it out. Well, and 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 you and you do on top of uh, not only having a fantastic set of leads on there, uh, and of course having Mr. Gutenberg in there to to kind of ping people. Well, he's that hilarious are... in it. You got James Palace, <laughs> right? You got Ivan, Ivan Sergey. You've got Joanna Bakula. You've got um, Joseph Reitman, who has like the best oh, hair yeah. ever. Yes, yes. He does. His, his scenes really, his, his stuff's really funny. You have, um, um, uh, oh, Ariane uh, Mandy. She's from the, the L word, the new generation. L word. Right. right. Um, um, got, oh, Mo from Fast and Furious, Mo Greeny. He's in, he's in Fast and Furious too. He's been in a lot of stuff, but I'm a huge Fast and Furious fan. So yeah. when he was on set, I'm like, dude, oh my God, you were in Fast and Furious, um, too with, uh, with Paul Walker, which I was a big fan of. It's very sad. Um, we got a lot. There's a really good cast, actually. Yeah. yeah so I was looking at it, and, it, and it, it was intriguing because you always, in a lot of in a lot of pieces, you'll have one or two recognizable names or people right. that you go, I know this person from this other thing. But this this film has just tons of people that you. I know who these people are, and I like their work, yeah. and it looks like they would just gel together fantastically. Well, they, he, Shane and, and CJ definitely did a great job uh, casting on this. I know they took their time with this stuff, and and uh, and everyone has their own story of how they got got cast, which is really funny. Mine's kind of funny too. But it's it was we did a virtual launch event for the movie with the studio Vision Films uh, last week when we when it launched. Uh, we did it on the fourth for the fans, and we did a whole live thing for two hours. And Shane actually was a he guest surprised or he was a surprised guest on it because he's shooting another movie right now. So he came on and kind of just telling the secrets about the movie and how we all came on board and just all of it because Steve Gutenberg was referred to Shane from The Rock. Really? Yes, because um, Shane was the the producer of Gridiron Gang. Oh, right. So yeah, so he's yeah they did Gridiron Gang back way back. So him and Rock are very close. So I think Shane, you know, from what I understand, asked The Rock, do you know anybody could play this sort of like you know. Um, this cameo sort of uh, this deal, you know, for this role, we need this kind of like car, like gun salesman guy that, you know, <laughs> basically runs this shop of just all supercars. And he goes, yeah, Steve Gutenberg, he, he worked with me on ballers. And <laughs> he, that's literally Steve was on KTLA talking to the news about it. He's like, yeah, they're like, is it true that the rock referred? He goes, yeah. That's crazy. So yeah, I mean, everybody had their different way of getting in. That it was very interesting. Now, water seems to be a bit of a theme on some of the projects that you work on. I mean, you got this awesome movie coming out, but you've also been on the bay for oh, yeah. quite some time. And long time. Uh, one of the one of the best things about doing this podcast is finding out about things that I had no idea existed from the beginning, and just something new. And I had not actually heard of the Bay, even though it's been out for a while. It looks like it's a lot of fun. What is what is the kind of the draw to that particular show? Well, bringing back in the soap understanding. So it's kind of like, you know, well, the, the show itself, it's, an Amazon, it's on Amazon Prime. This is the sixth season that's out now. Um, the show's won 19 Emmys. Yeah. It's like mind-blowing actually when i think about it i mean I, I i came onto the show when it was a short formatted series on a web it was a web series and it was the first year that the daytime emmys um opened up the category for short formatted drama series for as web series and the bay won best show best drama series its first first year of being nominated and then it just started and then amazon prime picked us up we ended up shooting Going back, because we had shot a pilot for the next, for a full pilot uh, um, outside of the, of the web series. So what they did was Amazon Prime acquired it. They ended up remastering what we had shot for the web series of the, the final season, turning that into like the first season. And we shot, we used, we were able to remaster six episodes and we ended up, or five episodes, five or six episodes. And then we started shooting as we would shoot the series for Amazon Prime, uh, from the middle of the first season on. So we've been on Amazon for, this is the sixth season. So it's, yeah, it's done extremely well. Um, kind of is, yeah, 19 Emmys. I mean, Emmys actually, Emmy season is coming up again. And 
we'll see what happens. But yeah, no, Gregory's done a Gregory's done a great job. He was able to uh, formulate this this show. Um, he, he's acquired like primetime soap stars, daytime soap stars, all these Emmy winners. We have Vivica Fox on our show. We have Sean Patrick Flannery. Uh, we got movie stars, TV stars. Um, you name it, we have it on the show. We have a very, very, very large cast now, but we have a very, very well-known cast. Um, you Pretty much most people at this point, if it's not from a primetime soap, it's from a daytime soap, they know who they've been around for, you know, for right. years and years and years. And some of the younger people uh, are still on the soaps, but also do the Bay as well. Um, it's pretty crazy, actually, man. I mean, look, from a show that started as this like little thing and Gregory, he did it, you know, him and him and Christos, Christos is the lead of the show. They, you know, they, they rallied together and put together this team and I can't take anything away from them, you know, winning all those, all those Emmys. It's crazy. So uh, the cool thing is my other show purgatory is um, first season is out now episodes one through eight. It's actually on the same network it's good because what's what's happened this year, we did sort of like a crossover. So the Bay camp comes out on Popstar TV oh. and Amazon Prime. Okay. So it, it got released on Popstar TV first and then gets released on Amazon Prime within the, the following weeks. So you can get the Bay uh, seasons one through five on Amazon Prime. And I think the first couple of episodes of season six are on Amazon Prime. But they come in kind of delayed. It's interesting how they do it. But my show Purgatory is a Popstar TV show uh, series that we shot strictly for Popstar TV, which that role I actually say to date, um, and I have to plug this just because uh, it's a very interesting role. Uh, I play Bobby, who is an ex-con murderer, um, sort of does some bad, bad things to people. Yeah. And it's about 12 different individuals who end up getting uh, invites to this um, New Year's Eve event at this resort called Shambhala. We shot it in Armenia. Um, crazy. It was beautiful, actually. But we end up getting lured from the um, this resort. We're all there for a particular reason. It's kind of like a game of Clue meets like um, Saul, but like in a, in a much, not on as drastic of like goriness but like a game of clue of like who did it and why and why are we all there we're all there for a particular murder that happened we're yeah. all connected in a way it seemed like uh when i was looking at it, it was almost like um the newer interpretation of fantasy island that came yeah out. It, it, to a certain degree yeah so that i get that's actually a good way of putting it so we all get trapped in a cave underground and we spend the next so much time trying to fend our way and get out but lo and behold we start finding out secrets each person has a little secret. Each person's tied. If they're not tied in for one particular reason, we're to hide in for another. Um, and my character is, I can't say anything because, yeah. I mean, people have seen it now because the first season's out. But um, I'm proud of it because I got a chance to really test against what I've played in the past. I played some bad, like, you know, villains or whatever. But this time I'm doing, I took it to a different level. But I also made sure that I gave him very, very likable, charming sort of killer mentality that's also sensitive, but also extremely evil. And um, I, most, you know, most of the feedback and people really enjoyed it and enjoyed the show. And I was scared that people were going to hate Bobby because of the things I was doing. But people were like, "Yeah, we love it." I'm like, "Really? Like that's crazy that you're you're like rooting for me to kill and um, or hurt." You know what I mean? So we have to do a season two. We shot few episodes in season two we were shooting back-to-back -back seasons but COVID happened obviously right um and shut us down so we've been back so we have to figure out when we're going back in the new year because they were they were at war with turkey yeah so that made it difficult for us so right now we're still stuck at only having a couple episodes into the second season so they're trying to figure out how we're going to finish the second season of eight you know you have about seven episodes that need to get finished right but season one's out now on popstar tv if you want to check it out purgatory sounds awesome and having that villain role i mean that's often where the most meat is to kind of work with oh, something and i loved it i loved it i'm you know i'm hoping it gets some recognition this year maybe coming up uh, i know they opened up the category it's it's fit, fitting in the same category as the bay believe it or not because it's considered a a, a drama so um right. We'll see what happens, you know. But it's crazy. We're both on the same network. 
I'm on both shows on the same network. So it's interesting. Um, but it'd be, yeah, we'll be cool. It'd be nice to see if it gets a little bit of recognition being its first season. Um, it's hard. You know, Bay has a lot of heavy hitters. So, you know, we're just, I'm just happy to be working. I, the fact that I have a chance to be on both shows is pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So I'm grateful. Well, let's finish this up with a couple of standard questions we try and ask everybody. Uh, keep okay. it keep it light, keep it fun. Most people think that we're going to ask about pudding since that's in the name of the podcast. But I'm as per ask about the pudding, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> as per normal, you don't ask about the pudding generally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep it a mystery. Uh, but what we do ask about, we always want to know. You're on the on the West Coast. Everybody right. loves pizza for the most part. So are you right. uh, a Chicago pizza kind of guy? Are you a New York thin slice? Are you something more exotic what is your go-to pizza well believe it or not even though i grew up a chicago bulls fan michael jordan fan i've never been to chicago i've been to the airports a billion times and i'm sure i've had pizza at the airport now i know if i go and say that new york pizza is better than chicago pizza <laughs> that's going to be um not it would be the standard thing to say since i lived in new york at one point right i, I know that chicago pizza it's a deep dish, right? Yes, it is. You guys have the deep dish. I've had Chicago-style pizza. I actually prefer a deep dish. It is the truth. And I like to load my pizza up. Like, I like the works, to be honest with you. I like mushrooms, onions, uh, sausage, pepperoni, um, green pepper. I like all of it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, like, kind of the works kind of guy, and I like deep dish. I don't want thin crust. I'm not, it doesn't make me fool. I'm, like, going to eat the whole pizza. It's yep. like eating two slices of deep dish. I think we're on the same page there. Yeah. So, okay. So that's always one question we ask because it's just fun. And food is food is something that brings us all together. Yes, and it is. <laughs> I like to think that something else that can somewhat bring us all together is the, the burgeoning uh, comic book um, oh. dominance to, to movies that have been coming out. We, we tend to focus a lot on... Uh, properties okay. that are based upon comics, whether they're television shows, movies, whatever. Yep. But uh, that always brings me into if somebody has not been in something that's been based on a comic, I usually like to ask, are you a comic fan? Part A. And B, if you had the chance to be in a comic book movie, what role would you choose for yourself? Well, I think I was more of a comic book guy when I was younger. Um I mean, I've always, my favorite superhero is Superman um, to this day. But Batman has grown on me. I'm, I think I fit more of Batman. Uh, my look, my size. Um, Superman has, you know, obviously they can placate certain things and put you in bigger shoes and stuff. I mean, even Henry Cavill wasn't even quite tall enough to play Superman, but he was actually perfect Superman. Oh, yeah. um, he look great. wise. He was, yeah, he was great. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's great. Um, I mean, I wish I was six foot two or six foot three. So I and you know, I mean, I can put on the sides, not worry about that. It's just I think my look is more of a Batman look mm -hmm. than a Superman look. Um, but I've always been a big Superman fan. Like if you gave me the choice to see Superman, even if for some reason they're just not being produced the way people want them to be produced, I would still go see the Superman film over the Batman film any day of the week. But to play the role, I think I'm more of a Batman, which is kind of interesting that I love Superman so much, but I think I could play Batman. I think I could play Batman actually in my, and I don't mean to say it like this, but I think I could play it in my sleep because I understand, I understand his demeanor, even though I'm, uh, I have a lot of energy, I understand where to hone it in at. And I know how to make the, uh, use the, the, it's all about very much in his, in his mind, in his eyes, right. in, in his thoughts. Um, and that would, I would, I think I could give a very interesting take on, uh, on Batman. I'm actually a big fan of Rob Pattinson. I actually think he's going to do a wonderful job and people want to put him down. Let them, let them say what they want. Cause I, I will stand, I will stand strong by his side and say he's going to do a great job. He is very much underestimated as an actor or underrated. Um, yeah. but because you didn't want to put that whole like stigma of being in twilight, but look, people really don't understand like what it takes. Yeah. So I really think he's actually going to deliver a very, very strong, interesting Batman. Well, you got to keep an even mind or, or an open mind. I should say just because uh, that's the point of being act 
acting is to be able to fit the role regardless of what people think about you. Michael Keaton had of the course. same issue when he was going to be Batman. They didn't want him oh, to be that because of his uh, in, involvement with Beetlejuice, uh, that kind of typecasting well, yeah, thing. That's my point. Michael Keaton, he has a lot of energy. He's a, he's a high energy kind of guy. When I He's still my favorite Batman when it comes down to it. So I always related myself to the, that 1990, 89, 90 Batman. So I remember watching that Batman so many times. I mean, Superman and Batman, I always watch all the time. But my energy level is more of a Michael Keaton sort of Batman. And that's how I see it. That's why I feel like I could actually play it if I ever had the opportunity to. Um, I don't, I would have to actually work on, if I had the size for Batman or Superman, I'd actually have to work on being extremely poised. Right. I can do it, but I actually would have to actually work at it. I want to do things mm-hmm. instead of doing so much less, <laughs> which is interesting to me. <laughs> so I would have to really have to like sedate me. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll tell you what, when I when I look at your headshot and look at who you are. I'm I'm going to say who I think you should be if it ever becomes a possibility, and you should oh, okay. you should look into it because being Manifest. being Manifest. somebody that loves comic properties and seeing what is happening on one of them, I am mildly curious if they're going to expand the direction that I think that they are. But yeah. uh, it seems like you're more familiar with DC maybe than Marvel. But I think that you could potentially do a very good Johnny Blaze uh, Ghost Rider. I, I think so too. And I mean, I, I think I know, I know why you're saying that. And I would love that. Actually, I didn't even think about that. The only because Johnny Blaze, I'm thinking of Nicholas Cage. So I would actually, that would be really cool. Right. And with what they're doing with Hellstrom, if you've seen anything that's going on with that, the Hulu. I haven't, but right after this, I'm going to go look. Actually, you, you should I definitely look, take a look at the characters that they have in that show, the names of the characters. And, uh, it seems to indicate that potentially that might be the direction that they're going in. And I certainly hope so. It's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I'm interested because I actually, not that I, maybe about a month ago, I watched, uh, I watched, uh, I think it was the first one with Nicolas Cage and I hadn't seen it in so long, but I forgot all about that. (laughs) I forgot all about that. That would be cool. Yeah. It's that's a great character, and they've they've only done one TV adaptation of the character so far, and it's not the it's not the Johnny Blaze variant, but the the Reyes variant on the Agents of Shield. So, oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're still opening to have like the classic kind of a Ghost Rider show up maybe on on Hulu. I'm I got my fingers crossed. I'm hoping for the whole Midnight Suns crossover because it really looks that like that's the direction they want to go. But uh, now I'm going to go research it because now I'm going to I'm going to hit up my agent like or my manager go hey right didn't even think about this situation let's see if we can look into it listen man well, I'm all about like I'm I you know if someone would like to see me in something like that that actually gives me the the um, the initiative to want to try because I didn't even think about that. I like the challenges. So, hey, let me look into it. Mm-hmm. I, listen, I know you never know how it'll go, but right, right. You never you manifest it enough; it can happen. But I mean, you you've shown you can do edgy. I mean, so I mean that you got got a little bit of that edge, a little bit of that aggression in there, and uh, yeah. so much fun. It's a, oh such my god, good I stuff. love that. I need to think about that. I'll keep you posted. Well, I would love to hear that. We'd love to have you on in case it ever happens. You know, some magical moment occurs. It's like, ah, oh, Eric's got the part. Oh, he's got the back Imagine like it flash forward, you know, so many, you know, months ahead or a year ahead going, oh my God, do you remember when we were talking about this? <laughs> That'd be super cool. Now you're playing a day player role in the movie, but you didn't actually get the role. I'm, just <laughs> I'm like, I'm not taking any role in this movie unless I'm Johnny Blaze. Yeah, that would be nice. That'd be less less cool. But cool. I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. Are there any last moment plugs that you want to give before we get off? Uh, just, I guess, uh, check uh, check me out on my Instagram. It's Eric Fellows Official. So it's E-R-I-K Fellows, F-E-L-L-O-W-S Official. If I can remember how to spell my name. Uh, I'm Eric Fellows <laughs> on Facebook. Um, but just look for that, the blue check mark. Those pages are actually me. Nice. And I do have personal a personal page on Facebook, but I have in, in imposters that people trying to pretend to be me. So yeah. be careful of them. Um, 
but anything with the blue check mark is me. And then Twitter, it's Eric Fellows. And now I just got on Cameo. That's I just got on Cameo. So I was doing, yeah, so for fans. And it's been interesting, the request. And I don't, I, I don't have a great singing <laughs> voice, but I've been requested to sing a few times. And I have. And I did the best I could. <laughs> So if you, want it, if you want a holiday song, hit me up on Cameo, Eric Fellows 23. I'm sure that they appreciated it. <laughs> well, I'll sing you a little, a little tune, bud. That, that'd be awesome. And don't forget to check out The Pudding Guys. We're easy to find. We are at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter. We are at Pudding Guys on Instagram and Facebook. And, of course, on Patreon, where for just $1 a day, you can support The Pudding Guys as we get better equipment to speak into, bring fantastic people like Mr. Fellows onto the show, and do other neat stuff. But until next time, stay safe out there. Keep watching fantastic television and movies, and we will see you next time. 